Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What Do You Want to Watch? The Explosion Network's premium media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content. Help you answer the question, should actors just avoid all fan conventions while this strike's going on? Yes. Yes, I should. I'm your host, Ashley Lobley. Join me today, Dylan Blatt. Yes. Yes, I should. Yeah. If you need context, on the back of Stephen Amell making comments about the strike and getting crucified on the internet, Zachary Levi made similar comments at a fan convention, also got crucified. Uh, admittedly, both kind of out of context. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Any anti-strike sentiment at the moment is not being meant well by the internet. Shockingly. So, just, uh, you know, just, just cancel your event, you know. Just don't go, you know. Those fans, they'll live. You know, heaven forbid they have to wait another year to hear. I mean, Stephen Amell walked so Zachary Levi could run. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. On uh, today's episode, we'll be talking about watching the Watch Tree, jumping over some film news, uh, giving some thumbs to trailers, and discussing this week's top three, uh, as well as delivering an important PSA. Uh, kick things off over on platinum explosion we've did a spoiler cast for the upcoming movie gran turismo based on a true story uh the story of uh yan yan something <laughs> story i've still got hold on fucking where is it yan martinborough yan martinborough who uh really good at gran turismo uh, wins a competition become uh Gran Turismo competition to become a professional driver uh and events ensue starring David Harbour and old Orlando Bloom uh Dylan what do you think of Gran Turismo based on true story yeah, based on true story I don't actually think that's a subtitle I think that's just a, like that's not in that I've seen part. it <laughs> <laughs> I mean the worst was when my I, ticket I, literally said Gran Turismo based on true story yes Okay, I don't get real movie tickets. Sorry, that's why I don't. Um, the well, the funniest one for me was when the the email came through for the last trailer, and the, the subject line just started with "This actually happened." I was like, "What the fuck's this?" And then I click on it. I'm like, "Oh, Grand Turismo, right?" Anyway, um, the <laughs> yeah, it's very good. It's uh, I, I I quite enjoyed it. It's formulaic. However, I'm a sucker for a good car racing movie, and this nearly hits all the the right notes for me. Um, to my, like, it's not it's not going to be a classic. It's not anything like that but it's definitely a highly watchable um good true story sports film um it's not at all a game video game movie or anything like that which is totally fine um you get out of the game stuff like 30 minutes into it i think and that's all about cars and it's good it's good stuff david harbour is absolutely fantastic in it he um gives it his all and it's just really he's the emotional heart of the film i i, I believe um orlando william is on drugs i think i'm not sure and um I, yeah, sound design, the cars, the, that's the stuff I love the most. And I really got invested into the races, you know, heart pounding as they come flying around corners and you're like, will he make it? Will he make it? You know, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I definitely would recommend checking this out in cinemas. Yeah, I had a really good time as well. Um, you know, like you said, kind of formulaic and elements. Like, uh, you got the dad who doesn't believe in his son, uh, although he has a weird alternate choice of career for him. Um 
and, you know the you know the it's cocky fans. It's, it's not <laughs> uh he's got a weird like uh you've got the classic rival who like is a bad boy and like the rich arrogant kid um but yeah i think you know david harbour is fantastic really elevates it the racing is really good uh the ties to the video game are really cool um you know i'm sure as like hardcore fans will be like uh like pick up all these small details like the ui that they use and like the the placement and even just probably the camera angles and that kind of stuff would be important to to fans and that kind of stuff but um yeah i thought they were like super respectful and then like, obviously they go to polyphonic at some points and like uh or is it polyphony i can't polyphony sounds right um the actual studio yes um, <laughs> um yeah i thought it was really good surprisingly solid sports film very enjoyable i would recommend checking it out in the cinemas if you're into that genre of film if you enjoyed something like a ford for Fe- ferrari or a rush uh yeah this would be worth your time a dad movie some could call them yeah by yeah. dads you know like just your car and your motors yeah, lad. <laughs> take the dad to father's day yeah. that's what i'm saying <laughs> all right uh so we both went out and watched meg 2 the trench sequel to the meg there's a megalodon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, there's a couple of megalodon. There's more than one megalodon. <laughs> uh, we pick up five years after the events of the first film, Jonas Taylor uh, fighting emo- environmental crimes, uh, but is working for his brother-in-law's company uh, because he, yes. I guess, you know, he got together with... Uh, well, that, that, so... Behind, you, so- yeah, the the quick thing is they they kill off behind the scenes the love interest from the the first film, but the girl who played the the daughter, daughter in that is still the same. That's still actress. the same actress, and she's now older. So that's the connection. But they must yes, have got married. Daughter. I'm not sure. Anyway, he's Jason got custody. Statham, is what I gathered. Yes, Jason Statham now has custody and he has a daughter in this one, basically. Yeah, so they're still researching the trench. They've recent they've dived down there several times since. Uh, they dive down there again, and megalodons happen. Turns out that there's there's d- twists and turns and betrayals and swimming. Dylan, what did you think of the Meg? Meg 2, The Trench. I'll tell you what I think. This movie does one of my favorite things, which is there's a character who, when before they're revealed they're evil, they wear glasses. And then they're revealed they're evil. They no longer wear the glasses. Fake <laughs> 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 glasses all along. <laughs> I was like, I knew it. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, I actually think this is better than the first one. I, I don't know if that's a hot take or not. I, 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 take. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie is two sides of like just two different films. And for some reason, I quite, um, I don't want to say this is a good film, like, but that's, I, 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 it took my fancy is how I would put it. So you got the first half of the movie and this is like the more serious side. This is the, they, they go down into a trench and some shit happens and they get stuck down there and they need to find a way out. Their ships are like crashed. So they're like out in the surface. They're walking around. It's like a very tense. I like the way it's shot. You got fucking megalodons flying around. They're trying to sneak around. It's all very tense. Megalodons. Stuff like that. Megalodons. Um, and then they got the second half of the movie when they, they're back out in the, the front and um, on, on top of the you know land, normal earth human side stuff. And th- this is just where shit goes absolutely crazy. And the movie's like... 
let's just have fun. It's like it was directed by two different people. Because I feel like the first half is like trying to be a serious sort of, uh, I don't know, like monster movie sort of sci-fi thing. And then the second half is just wild. Because my favorite part of this movie is uh, Jing Wu. I think he's fucking fantastic. However, he's fucking fantastic in the second half of the movie. Because he, the first half of the movie, they're like, you're, you're like, so you're the brother of the dude, the girl, and Jason the Statham lines, married yeah. her. <laughs> and like, you're now got your niece here. So you got to be like a role model. And he does some wild shit in the first five minutes where he nearly gets eaten by a shark. And you're like, this dude's a little bit weird, but whatever. And then he like acts pretty cool. And you're like, this dude's okay, whatever, like, cool story. And then when they get out and you get into the second half of the movie, my man's just having the time of his life. And I was loving every <laughs> second of it. He's got some wild scenes. And I just found him highly um, <laughs> charismatic, uh, charismatic and, um, um, like, and I know he's a movie star from China, China, yeah. right? Yeah. So he's a uh, like Same. massive for a bunch of action films and yeah, and all that, all, all that sort of stuff. So like, and like a lot of those movies have wild action scenes, and he just commits to them, and that's what he gets to do in the second half of this half of this movie. I mean, yeah, I, I would say that I nearly wanted, I nearly snort choked my drink as. Jason Statham killed the final Megalodon in this movie and how he did it because it was fucking amazing. Uh, but, you know, I feel like there's... Yeah, I'm, gonna say this, I'm not going to say this is a good movie, much like I'm not going to say the first Meg was a good movie. But I actually think I... Yeah, I'm going to commit and say that I enjoyed it more than the first... For some reason. <laughs> Maybe it is just uh, Jing Wu. Maybe he's the, the, the pushing me over the side element for this, but... Yeah, I don't know. And who who thought this movie would be good, right? You you even going? Is it terrible? Is it or is it just bad and watchable? It's it's bad and watchable. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. You know, like, I think you agree. I agree that it's definitely a movie of two parts. Like, um, you've got the you know the seriousness of the opening, but you know the first Meg had that as well. Like, uh. You know, it was super serious, and then you know, it kind of got crazier towards the end with the Megs showing up and like just ripping people apart and that kind of stuff. Um, it does, or at least in the final set piece where they they actually went to the beach. Like, yeah, this film they realized that was the most interesting element of that. Let's get that, but bigger. You know, even though that is definitely still the climax of this movie. Um, you know, they they jump over the top they've got this whole i feel like the whole betrayal like digging up resources elements of the film is kind of fine you know uh jason statham does get to play the hero and you get some gory kills at the bottom of the trench as you would see some other creatures and stuff down there um is this this movie is nearly like jurassic park at times like it is weird. I think the my disappoint, biggest disappointment is you start the movie with a dinosaur and you never see dinosaurs ever again. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I mean, it does skip ahead like 16 billion years or whatever. That's true. They do <laughs> die out and that kind of stuff. Um, clearly, that side of the movie is to set up the little other creatures that show up later. Well, it's just, legs. yeah, it brings them forward, but also the movie is just like, does the whole, this little fly gets eaten by this thing, and then that thing gets eaten by this thing, and then this thing, and then you see the T-Rex, and it's like, all right, the T-Rex is the apex predator, and then the Meg really nope. kills it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a spoiler, it's in the trailer. Um, but yeah, when it goes crazy, it goes crazy. <laughs> uh, just the over-the-top ridiculousness of some of the stuff, and like, um, 
I really enjoy it. Like you said, Jin, what was his name again? Jin Wu. Jin Wu. Yeah. Yeah. Super enjoyable, but I also enjoyed uh, Paige Kennedy, who came back from the first film, DJ the Engineer, uh, and his uh, having learned from the first film, uh, making sure he learned how to swim as his survival pack with him at all times, Mm. filled with very important stuff. Mm. Um, That was super fun. Uh, Yeah. I was like, Jim Wu, I feel like if this movie had been made like 20 years ago, would be, would be that role would have been played by Jackie Chan. And that's kind of the energy he's bringing. You know? Mm. So, uh, yeah. Meg 2, it's not a great movie. It's currently sitting at a <laughs> 28% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 4.5 critic score. Uh, but 72% audience score, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it matters. 3.9 average. The f- the reason we got this, and it was supposed to come out sooner, but COVID and everything else, um, mm. was because the movie does really, really well, box office-wise. And so far, so is this one. And the reason it's it made does... made so, $145 million worldwide so far. Yeah. So it'll continue on. Because the, the thing is that the movie didn't do that well in the US, and people, I feel like, in the US... Well, it did fine, but I think people are like, how's this movie like, in a sequel? Like, I, no one cares about it. It's like, well, no, it did massive no, internationally. No, look, yeah. look at the at the second lead, and that's why. Yes. So they, they both put a massive Chinese star in the first film. I can't remember the actress's name, but she was the the the, the mom of the girl or whatever, the, and that was uh, part of that. Li Bingbing. Yeah, and then they put Jing Wu in this one, and he's a massive... Um, star in China as we just said so he's going to bring that market over and you've got Jason Statham to try and bring in the western audiences and the movie makes money because of that and ultimately it doesn't really matter that the, this isn't a this is it's a dumb action movie it, it it's it's it will get another one and I looked up before going to watch this there is nine books the, hmm. this this series is based on a books book series and there are nine fucking books <laughs> so they they got they got room for more films it's <laughs> crazy all right you went and watched an australian film the other day streets of color i did they did um they said streets of colors being toured by fuck i can't remember screen ink i think it's it yeah um that's the the release for this one um it's directed by ronnie s riscala um written by as well um tells the story of tez who is a young dude who i don't know how young he's supposed to be like 20s i guess it starts so the, the movie does a lot of jumping around like but basically they like, say so him and his two friends they go out they it introduces you to this like suburban sydney world um there's a lot of like one of his friends has a uh, brother and his friends who are super 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 racist and there's a lot of uh racist words thrown around at the start of the film um and after the first little bit what ends up happening is tezza's best friend is killed by the uh one of his other friends's brother and then the movie skips ahead and like uh i don't know if it was a couple years or something like that uh yeah two years and then the rest of the film deals with tez is now a drug dealer and a drug addict himself basically um because of the downfall of that and like where all those relationships with his other friend um his family that he doesn't talk to anymore um uh the fact he's not really dealing like coping with the, the loss of his friend like he still has like visions of it visions of him and that night and all this sort of stuff um on paper 
as I say that, it sounds like a really interesting and good story. And I definitely feel like there is a like the the, the core story and themes of this movie are interesting, especially like dealing with um the addiction and drug dealing of suburban Sydney and the 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 very multicultural nature of suburban Sydney um the like all these sorts of elements that aren't really put so much on film like a lot of I guess Australian films either deal with straight up big city or desert <laughs> you know or like mm. you know yeah, sort of not really suburban lifestyle um and that's sort of where this is going for my biggest problem with this movie is it nearly just throws way too much at the like I don't want to spoil it but the the, the movie's coming back like by the time you get to the end and it loops around and like sort of Tez has like this big religious coming to where he like comes back towards his religion and um and it's not like my I'm not kind of like saying in a like I hate all religions sort of way it just didn't work for me personally I, I I and a lot of the way they try and try and make this work in a film it just didn't really work for me um but the number one thing I didn't like is I think this movie's editing is atrocious <laughs> um and it's really weird because so ronnie uh is the the writer director he's uh, uh editor prior to this done a lot of editing of, of uh, australian films and stuff like that and he's one of the editors credited on this as well however there's like fucking a couple other people listed as editors and i know a couple of them did just the main title sequence or whatever i was like paying attention to the credits but then there's, I, I really feel like there's like maybe too many cooks in the kitchen in the editing room because the amount of times that i would get sort of whiplash from it cutting from two characters talking to a sh- to a 0.5 second shot of them from behind for no reason just to, to like it's it's definitely that very amateurish thing of to help the pacing where they're gonna like zoom, zoom, so like to, to like you know help keep the audience i don't know it's very I've, i found it very distracting so the, the editing was is definitely my biggest problem with the movie um outside of it throwing just a lot of elements and stories at the at the screen um the acting is mostly good so um rahil ramahan uh, who plays tez is very good um most of the other people in it are also very good um bella valentini uh plays the love interest she's good as well um the only person i didn't like and i is this him here i'm trying to look at imdb yeah this dude peter peter maple plays gaza <laughs> so gaza is the is the local stereotypical like the the dude who's like the most drug addict and he i mean is legit oh no you give me a fucking drug deal you fucking <laughs> like the full most stereotypical and i'm trying so hard not to laugh like <laughs> it's like it seems like i was watching like a it seems like a, a parody of like a, a fucking meth head um than you know someone else but i i don't i i would probably give it like somewhere between like a five to a six i'm um uh, if i have time i'll probably try and write up a review um but yeah there's a lot of interesting ideas and i I definitely appreciate the the point of view given of this because another interesting is you've got this character tez who also sort of hates his own like there's an element of well i don't say hate maybe that's too far but there's an element and there's a lot of talk throughout the film of like him hating his own um you know his own skin color like or however you want to put that um sort of thing that's like sort of thrown in as 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 well like he dyes his hair bleach blonde people make fun of him want to like say oh you want to be like eminem and all this sort of stuff um 
yeah, there's a lot of really interesting elements. I just definitely feel like too many cooks in the kitchen for the editing, a few too many random ideas thrown in story-wise. Like there's a lot of, like there's even a scene where Tez drops off this, like he picks this, he like stops his car and I have no idea. I, I would love for someone to explain if, if I completely miss. There's a scene where he parks his car and, they, and this old lady like walks past and he's like, gets out, it's like, oh, hey, Mrs. Whatever. I'm like, okay, so he knows his character. Um, I, I think the idea is just to show that he knows everyone in this area like i think this is the whole point of the scene but it was just very weird because then he's like yeah cool and he helps the lady and then she dri- drives her off to the supermarket and um uh, and then like sneakily puts a few 50 dollars bills in a purse for her after she said some like slightly old lady racist stuff prior to that anyway um and i was like i think this scene's just to be like hey tez is a good dude like he's a good dude but it's just like again like in the structure of the film i found it like just very weird um Yes, uh, I don't, I think it's showing, if you want to check it out, I think it's going to come to Vic, I don't think they announced the times yet, and then it's going to come to, I can't remember where they're going next. Anyway, if you go to, fuck, I can't remember, I'll put it put it in the show notes, I'll make sure Ash puts it later, where you can watch it, because they're touring the film at the moment. They had, um, Ronnie was there, as well as a few people, they were doing a Q&A after, but I left so we could record RK Couch. <laughs> it's basically how I, I snuck mm. out the back. <laughs> wow. I was setting up for the q and I was like, uh, I would stay in another web, but I gotta get, I gotta get going. Sorry, bye. We could have pushed that episode another hour. I don't know. I don't know. Kieran, you know, you know, it's Kieran guy. He needs to, yeah, you know, if he's he's life, he doesn't you know. get a bed by nine o'clock, yeah, it's a bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I watched the first episode of The Returning. Thank God you're here, which debuted on channel 10. Um, if you never watched Thank God You're Here. It's a show where they get a bunch of comedians and uh, they've got four different scenarios. A person just walks through a blue door. They don't know what's on the other side. They go through and they have to like bullshit their way through uh, a a scenario with a bunch of improv actors like they're like bouncing off them, but clearly have like a clear direction where they want the the, the scene to go. Uh, They try to make it as humorous as possible and then they kind of give away arbitrary awards at the end of the show. Uh, of course, this is it's fourteen years since the the show really last aired. Yeah, holy fuck, which I is crazy. Old. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, that's a, the oh crazy thing. God. But yeah, it only ran four seasons. Um, but yeah, finally back now, hosted by Celia Piquello, um, rather than Shane Bourne, uh, and rather than having Tom Gleisner judge. They're apparently going to have a guest judge every single week, like uh, giving their thoughts on the different performances and that kind of stuff. So this debut episode uh, featured Aaron Chan, Julie Zemiro, Ursula Carlson, and Mark Bonanno from uh, Honey Donna. Um, so yeah, they each have a scene, and then at the end there's like a group scene where they kind of all are in the scene at the same time. Um enjoyable definitely brings back an element of nostalgia i think the only thing that they cut like like in the old show they used to have like a during the week they they had like a pre-recorded segment that they would shoot like a to get them like i guess warmed up for the the show or whatever that's been scrapped so it's just like the four performances and then the the final um group group one but yeah i enjoyed it it's fun it's been ages (laughs) since uh i've watched any of it like i used to i had i feel like i had the box set of like the first two or three seasons um so yeah it's really cool to see the show back and like have a new breed of uh comedians or like actors and that kind of stuff coming back 
um, or do, getting to do the show, like obviously, it, like the Andy Donner guys. I imagine if all three of them show up on the show, that's like yeah. I mean, the the, the, only, the main reason I want to watch it is because I saw on Twitter, I saw Andy Donner like sharing that Mark was on it, and I was like, oh, I yeah. don't want to watch it. Now. Not to say I didn't like, like it's not like I had anything against it prior to that. I was like, hey, no. normal TV, like that's just turn off. But um, I guess yeah. I can watch it on what ten play or what's it on ten play? Yes. Yeah. So because um, I used to yeah. watch that religiously like I, I'm pretty sure I can yes. safely say I've watched like at least 90% of the episodes maybe I missed some but it was it was definitely part of the after school like dinner yeah. thank god you're here routine like, yeah I don't think people like uh, Hamish Blake or Josh Lawson or Angus Sampson would be as big without no. a show you know no and it was always like, very funny like the, the concept of just yeah comedian hey here's your gear the, and just the, the pre part where it'd be like just the so what do you think you're doing like uh i'm at a beer fest or something you know like i try and guess or whatever and then walk through the room and they'll be like thank god you're here you gotta deliver a baby it's like okay not every place like <laughs> uh yeah i don't remember like the weirdest thing to me is it never caught on in the u.s like did they try and do it or they try to do one but they've got such a big improv culture over there yeah that the idea of them going to the seat and then them kind of not it's not an improv show. It's like a bullshitting the, the way through the situation. It just, it didn't click with audiences, I guess. It's so funny. Cause you know, that one, the Will Arnett thing that they put up the, the, the Netflix show. Yes. That, I don't know if I said it at the time, but I remember when they, they put out the trailer for that. I was like, okay, so thank God you're here. But like, like TV. kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's, that was my first thought. Like any, anything like that. I'm like, Oh, thank God you're here. Like, yes. Yeah. So, so while I was watching, thank God you're here. Clearly, there's ads during in between the breaks on Ten Player. Oh God, here we go. There's a show. What shit did you? An want? ad came up for a show called The Traders. Have you heard of The Traders? No, no. So it's based on a Dutch uh, reality TV format, in which 24 people go to like a hotel or whatever, uh, and four or a certain amount of the people are chosen to be traders. And then it's like a giant game of mafia. Is Every this night, the mole. <laughs> it, it's the mole, except there's no sabotage, no purposely sabotaging the things. Okay. So the show every night, uh, one of the they call the faithful. Anyone who's not a trader gets murdered. Uh, like really killed. That's hardcore. <laughs> no, they just get home. So, <laughs> okay. so yeah, the traders beat in traders tower decide who's going to get murdered, you know, for the day. Um, everybody comes out to breakfast. Breakfast is a big deal. It's a big, it's the, everybody, they do have a, make a big thing about them coming through the door and then, oh, who's the last person who hasn't come through the door? Uh, and then, you know, it's like, oh my God, they got murdered. Um, and then the day's events happen. They have like a challenge to kind of raise the pot of uh, the way that the pot is, $250,000 of sterling silver is what they're trying to work their way up to. It's it's just a theme thing, you know. Um, it's the pirates? Like, that sounds like a pirate thing. No, because, you know, it doesn't, it can go up and down in value at the time. I don't know. Sure. Um, but then after that, they have like a ba- banishment ceremony where they have to pick somebody to get banished, hoping to pick out a trader. Um, so yeah, they kind of have to work out between themselves, who's a who's a who's a faithful, who's a trader, and then b- try to banish out all the traders, 
uh, because once they get to like the final two or like the final two people, if one of them is a traitor, they get to keep all the money for themselves. Right. If they're both faithful, they can split whatever's money's in the pot. So yeah, it's super interesting. You would think like in a world in which Among Us and these social deduction games like super uh, popular, like this would be pretty boring, but (laughs) it's super fascinating. And I feel like the key thing here is like the casting. There's like some really interesting people and characters, like really engaging people. And they picked smart people, I feel like as well, which is something you don't necessarily attribute to reality game shows, I feel like. Um, Like people like try to pick up clues and play like trying to be trying to be subtle with different movements and that kind of stuff. And like, uh, like the, the games they kind of play and the psychological games they're trying to play and like trying to look for social cues and that kind of stuff. Um, and then the, some of the, some of the spanners that the, the, the actual game mechanics like throw into the works, like at some point they're like, we're too low on traders. We need to get more. So you have to recruit more traders. You have, you can ask other people if they want to join your side and that kind of stuff. Um, and then one of the most interesting things from the start is one of the 24 people is a clairvoyant. So how did so, they not win? It's, it's, it's surprise, you know? <laughs> it's Their, their storyline is quite interesting. Like, um, But yeah, 12 episodes long, uh, super engaging. Like, I feel like it definitely ramps up. And at the end, like, uh, yeah, I just watched the finale yesterday and it was kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It, the other weird thing about this show is that with such a large cast, certain people aren't featured, but they keep surviving. Like, they keep getting the way... Like, there's this old man called Paul. I did not learn what his name was till seven episodes in. Why not? They just don't... He was just in the background. He was just in the... He was just... He wasn't one of the more interesting people, I guess. Like, one of the more talkative... Like, you know? So, he was just... He was just there. He just show up at breakfast. You know, walk in. It's like, oh, he's still here. That's to be a Paul. And then the numbers kind of keep dwindling, and then I was like, oh, Paul. I'm like, oh, he must be Paul. Hmm. Very funny. <laughs> so yeah, I would apparently huge hit across the world, and apparently the Australian version is one of the preferred versions in the world because it's got it's also screening on other streaming services overseas. Like that's how I guess that works. So yeah, you can watch it on Ten Play or it's on Paramount Plus. As, along with the other a few other the versions of the traders, so I would recommend it. Dylan, you checked out a documentary, "Last Call," when a serial killer stalked queer New York. Uh, yeah, so this is this was a HBO Max uh, original documentary, I guess would, would be the wording. Um, it was really good. It was, I think, three episodes. I think that sounds right. Um, it sort of covers this case when, um, I mean, it's just a, it's a massive hate crime serial killer, basically. But what the, it's quite funny because the, well, that's not funny, but the, the part that is interesting <laughs> is the, there's a, because the documentary very much focuses on that part. Like, okay, so how come there's a serial killer killing a bunch of, uh, queer people across New York City? And the police did nothing about it. And the the funny slash not funny part, because people died, 
but there's a part in the think in the first episode where the the they're interviewing two detectives or whatever and then they go silent for a second usually this is with you know the camera will cut away or they get asked another question you know whatever and then one of the the cops detectives literally just goes can i just ask something and then you hear in the background yeah why are you focusing so much of your questions around uh how the uh the victims were gay like what's that have to do with anything <laughs> like it's such a like even now years and years later um they still have like a like this blinders up of like it had absolutely nothing to do with anything. it didn't it didn't matter that it was very obviously a, a targeted hate crime slash mm-hmm. like this is the, the, the serial killer was only targeting gay people or queer people it didn't matter and it like that has nothing to do with the case like we don't we don't care no, we, it was we, yeah we, we we didn't like put more effort into it like there was all these calls of course from the the queer community in new york at the time you know obviously because they they felt threatened more so than well they already felt threatened because aids and hate crimes were already a thing but um like more so like hey can we get the you know calling for the mayor to like put more effort on the the police to, to look into this and all this sort of stuff and um yeah i thought it was really really good it's a i mean it's a hbo documentary so obviously it's a well-produced documentary um mm-hmm. it's four episodes i just double checked um well-produced documentary um and i would suggest checking it out quite i i found it interesting awesome let's jump into the mandatory netflix segment of the show uh and you also watch missing the lucy blackman case uh this was also interesting. So this one is a girl who, I think she's like 21, 22. She is uh, from the UK somewhere. And true story, obviously documentary. But she travels to Japan and she's like working there or whatever. And like she just wants to study and work there or something like that at the time. And then she goes missing. And her father comes down from the UK and ends up like basically pressuring the police again to sort of like spend more time looking into it because once they they go down the road is like there had been a lot of girls at this time or over the years disappearing from this one particular area and they hadn't really been properly investigated into because they were all um primarily white girls or non non-japanese i guess would be the like way so that's like a, a question of the documentary of like is that a factor into how much effort the police put into it? Or um, is that a factor into how much effort the Japanese media put into like covering this? Um, but once the Lucy Blackman's father comes down, he basically puts press conference on press conference on press conference on to make this into like a worldwide media storm to the point that like the, the Tokyo uh, police have no choice but to, to spend more time looking into it um and then yeah the reveal if you want to call it that but yeah reveal of who the killer was and all that was yeah very fucking weird dude obviously i mean he's killing people so obviously weird but um a lot of fucked up shit going on uh with that person and i'm glad to see that they got caught ultimately uh with how this one plays out but yes uh woods this is another good yeah netflix documentary awesome uh, and then you watched the first episode of Heartstopper season two. Um, I watched four, five. I think I only just five checked episodes. Them off. I forgot to check it out. But uh, yes, Heartstopper season two is back. Sorry, I forgot to check them off. Uh, Heartstopper is back for season two. Uh, very good. Half. Yeah, I think I'm back halfway through the season now. Um, only half hour episodes anyway. But yeah, um, feels like it's been ages since the first season. But anyway, I'm glad that when I, I I'm glad that when I click play on the first episode, it doesn't auto play of like a three minute thing of the cast 
talking to you and being like, I played so-and-so. And in the first season, my character was doing, like they give you a, a, a catch up, which is, which is good. Cause I remember the core stuff, but then some of the other stuff, I was like, who the fuck's this person again? <laughs> um, yeah. So this season starts Charlie and Nick now like in a relationship, but the, the, at least for the, the most part, this first half of the season, it's now focusing on, well, like the first season, Nick came out to his mum as by, uh, but now the, the, the season so far has been dealing with how does Nick come out to other people and who are those people going to be um, sort of thing. Cause like Nick and Charlie's friendship group knows, but Nick, Nick and Charlie's friendship group also includes um, other queer relationships and stuff. So like mm. that doesn't really count, but then it's like, okay, how about all of Nick's rugby mates as they, they love to call them and stuff like that. Um, I really enjoy this show. It's definitely obviously not going to be for everyone, but yeah. Um, because it's, it's very like teen focus and that's fine. Much like the, the comic book is, I guess like this. And the only part that annoys me, and this is the part where I can tell I'm getting a little bit too old man is this fucking, there's a scene where they're like, they're fucking texting each other when they're sitting next to each other. And they're like, Oh my God, I love you. <laughs> Stuff. I'm like, why are you texting each other, sitting next to each other? This is bullshit. Um, and there's a lot of scenes of just them texting one another on their phones, which I guess that's how real life relationships work but also i'm like it just doesn't I, I, <laughs> always make for good uh television <laughs> i guess like especially when the person's right next to you that's also just annoying um get a lot more of the teachers so far in this one which i've enjoyed there's a new teacher in this season um mr farouk farouk i think um he's fucking great i've been absolutely loving <laughs> he's just, uh, he's, he gets very angry but then he does he, he shows sides of uh being very nice at other points throughout the season so far, which has been good. Um, seeing more of the other core story, I guess, season this season is you've got Tao and L um, doing this will they, won't they thing, which I, I'm enjoying to watch so far because they, they build up to that in the first season, but now they're continuing off that. And those characters are getting more time. I definitely feel like some of the other side characters are getting more time, so just focusing on Nick and Charlie, which is good because their story is still obviously the focal point, but I'm also like... There's a lot of other interesting characters. So, um, yeah, we're keen. Keep watching more. Awesome. All right. Well, that's everything on Wall Street. Let's move into a little bit of film news. Uh, it's still very quiet with all the strikes going on, but uh, interesting piece of news. Spyglass is answering the call once more, throwing a new screen movie into development. The company has tapped Christopher Landon, a scary movie stalwart whose credits include the Happy Death Day series as well as the body-switching horror comedy Freaky, to direct the seventh installment of the long-running franchise, multiple sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. Landon takes over from Matt Benstanley Olpen and Tyler Gillett, uh, the filmmaking team known as Radio Silence, who helmed the 2022 installment that rebooted and refurbished the movie series. The duo followed the film, simply titled Scream, with Scream 6, which was released back in March. Uh, the duo stepped back in part to focus on an original horror movie for Universal, which currently remains impacted by the actor's strike. The duo known as, uh, as well as third group member Chad Viella will now act as executive producers. Uh, it's unclear uh, who will be writing Scream 7. James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick wrote the scripts for the recent two films. However, Landon is also an established screenwriter, having co-written or written all his directorial efforts. In any event, the script aspect won't come into focus until the writer strike ends. Dylan, what do you think of this news around the Scream franchise? 
Um, yeah, I'm fine with it. I don't know. Like, I, I don't want people burning out. Like, two, two, two's, like, two of the same franchise in a row, I can understand how for anyone that would be like, okay, I need to do something else. You know, like, I, I, I get it. So I don't. And I, I wouldn't want them doing it just because for a paycheck or like if they if they're not if their heart's not in it i don't want it i don't want people doing it so that for everything not just scream so um christopher landon i like so I, i'm i'm fine with this choice i i haven't watched his most recent film which was we have a ghost on netflix um probably should i mean it looked pretty avo to me but um yep. i might watch it anyway um but previously freaky i love that movie i think it's fantastic um it's very funny um freaky definitely fits within the the style of like sort of a scream like it's got some tense scary scenes but also it's vince vaughn running around um with a girl inside his body as weird as that is to say but yes <laughs> it's a very funny movie um happy death day the first one i thought was meh. the second one i really liked so um i'm sort of up down up down his paranormal activity movie i thought was okay whichever that one was i can't remember but one of the spin-off ones or something um yeah, so I'm I'm sort of fine with this. I, I I'm okay with this. I think it's a, de- a decent pick for for to continue the the franchise. Um, yeah, I mean I, I'd like to see. It would be great to see a completely different point of view, like a female director or something like that. I know I've seen that 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 thrown around a bit. I mean Christopher Landon, I know like he's at least a gay man, so like there's. You know, it's not just like a, he's a white dude, but like, it's, it's a straight <laughs> white dude. Like, something, <laughs> <That's>, something. <laughs> at least he's not a straight white dude. At least he's not a straight white dude. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I can get that point of view of like, can we like get, you know, it would be great to see a, a girl, a female director or something. And it would be, but um, as far as like the, out of the people they could have picked, I'm, I'm fine with Christopher Landon. Yeah, I don't have much skin in the game. You know, like, I haven't watched many of his films. Um, but it seems to be he's more on the comedic side of the spectrum. Rather yeah, he does. The... He does funny horror movies. He doesn't do like so. You know, it, that is fitting in with Scream, I guess. Yeah. Which you could hundred percent watch. Jokes. You could hundred percent watch Happy Death Day and Freaky. Yeah. You could you could watch any of those. Um. But yeah, I guess you know we don't necessarily need another one rushed into production straight away. We had two in the, like a twelve month period, so. Um, it felt like two in like six months, but yeah, it felt oh, like it. Like, <laughs> it felt it, like well, it. it felt very short between the two movies, like yeah. ridiculously short. Like, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's fine. I just want to find out what direction they're kind of going with the next movie. Mm. Like, that's more important than necessarily who's involved. The problem is, it, is I both want them to keep making screen movies because I really like Scream as a franchise, but then I also don't want them to keep going where. You don't want to oversaturate. Yeah, or they release one and they stop because it's hated by everyone, and then that's the last one that's released. Yeah, you so don't like, want you don't want them to do a shit one. <laughs> yeah, you just want the last one to be good. Like if they stop now, yeah, it's like we're good. But if you make another one, it has to be good, or else you fucking you've you've stopped on a bad one. You know, like yeah, you can't have that. All right. Um. So I saw this article written up on the Guardian: Chaos in the Isles, a cinema etiquette reaching all time low. Uh, an enormous amount, of, amount has been made lately about Barbie and Oppenheimer reversing the terminal decline of theatrical cinema experience. The films have enmeshed themselves in the cultural conversation in ways that movies simply do, don't do anymore. And as a result, scores of people who habitually don't go to the cinema uh, are being dragged out to see them. This is a good thing. Anything that prolongs the life of cinema deserves to be celebrated. 
which isn't to say is a perfect outcome because all these newcomers have clearly forgotten how cinemas are supposed to work. The last few weeks have seen a rash of headlines about a number of regrettable blow-ups that have occurred because people can't seem to remember the basic rules of cinema etiquette anymore. Uh, in Maidstone, a woman took her childless, uh, her ticketless child into Barbie, an act that results in a stand-up, full-volume physical fight. A Brazilian Barbie screening ended with a similar brawl, apparently because a woman let her child watch YouTube throughout the movie. Nor is this confined to Barbie. In June, a fight broke out at a screening of The Little Mermaid in Florida. In March, the same thing happened in France at the end of Creed 3. Meanwhile, Twitter is awash with tales of poor cinema etiquette from talking during films to taking photos during films. Um, Dylan, what has gone wrong with people in the cinema? <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get already burnt out on this. You go listen to Arcade Couch Return Questions if you're going to hear me rant about this far for now. Uh, people are ruining cinema experiences, and anytime I read about any of this sort of stuff, it absolutely frustrates the living fuck out of me. Cinema etiquette is a thing that I thought people should be taught from a young age, and apparently not. And um, it's uh, it it angers me. It doesn't make me sad. It is it pure pure angers me. But when I when I read these stories and I see these clips of like a woman punching another woman in the face, I'm like, what the fuck? What'd she do to deserve that? And then you read the comments, someone's like, oh, but she was like on her phone the whole movie. I'm like, ah, deserved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Absolutely agree. You know, uh, there's, you know, you read some of these stories, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a classic case of being an asshole. You know, are you an asshole? I was watching, you letting my child watch YouTube the entire movie. Yeah, he turned out on full volume. Yeah. Ridiculous. Cinema Crazy. is not daycare, as much as some people think it should be. And cinema is not a, a cinema is unless not it's your specifically home. a daycare. <laughs> yeah, like and- there's, there's some cinemas that have like the children's playground at the front or whatever. Like that's not a place I'd ever want to go. But apparently, you know, if you want to take your kids to that have at it yeah but, but you know it's not don't take it's your not, kid to go it's not see your home either if you if you cannot watch a movie without talking or opening your phone and and checking something and checking your messages if you cannot if you can literally not respond to a message or a snapchat for the 90 minutes couple hours whatever it takes if if that's that's fine guess what you can wait for it to come out on Netflix or home video, and you can watch it at home. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's as, it, it is as simple as this. Everyone pays. It's a paid experience. And part of that, it should be that maybe I need to start putting, cinemas need to start putting the fucking rules on the front door as you enter and like be like, hey, you agree to follow these upon like entering these premises. And if you don't follow them, kick, start kicking people out. I seriously just think they just need to start kicking people out. So I can. I mean, yeah, there's a couple of different options they could go with. One, they could start, uh, you know, having specific, like, put your phone away screenings, you know? All of them. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> All of them. That's fucking every screening. No, like, like you lock your phone away before you can be, you're allowed to enter. You know? And lockers and you got a yeah. little key and you have to put them away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so nobody can have a phone. Or uh, you can only go in if you give your credit card details to insert, and then they keep track of everybody in the seats. And if you're shit, you get fined. Mm. Yeah, I'm down with that. <laughs> down with any of that. Yeah. No. Or we put shockers on all the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down with that too. You know. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Uh, lots of good options, but 
it seems like a lot of people don't know cinema etiquette. So I found a couple of articles with different important points, and I'm going to go through them with you, and you can, you know, how important these are to cinema etiquette, and if you want to add anything. So, uh, phones are mostly not okay. Put that sucker on do not disturb, first of all, and you better be especially raw, in a especially raucous special situation if you feel the need to whip it out and film something. Your video of the screen cinema screen looks like crap and is technically illegal, so the only exception to be made here is if you're in a particularly hyped-up screening where others in the audience are loudly losing their minds over some cool thing with Spider-Man or the stars of Triple R just did. Uh, if you absolutely need to shake your phone during the movie, hide it away down in your jacket or seat with the brightness dim super low you're all good to discreetly shake the time but anything longer can wait um my ver- yeah so i would say if you need to quickly check the time um that's fine as long as you remember to check the brightness turn your brightness down prior or put your phone in a pocket like they said so you can like at least like have the brightness not blare in the whole fucking screening from the middle aisle and be like, who the fuck just shone a light from the middle there? Because everyone can see it's a dark room. So that's fine if you want to quickly just turn it on and be like, time, and then quickly put it away. If you have to, if I don't know for some reason. Um, filming the screen, I'm going to say no. I don't feel like there's any real time when you really need to do that. Um, what was the other thing they said? I don't no, know. that's kind of it. That's like, it. Yeah, make I, sure I, you just tie it away. Just keep it. My phone involved. time is also this. So phones when adverts are on, yes. Phones once yes. trailers start and the lights go out, no. See, I I'm fine using my phone during trailers because most of the trailers I've already watched. Yeah. Uh, but th- at that point the lights are down, so that's like a reminder to myself to put the brightness on my phone down as low as possible. I would say as long as you put the brightness down, then I'm okay with it during the trailers. But yeah, so I'd say brightness. Okay, I'll reword it. So brightness, full-blown brightness, uh, not caring about anything, phone during adverts. Yes. If you're going to be on your phone during the trailers, yes, your brightness has to be turned down. Yeah, because other people have not seen these trailers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And once the movie starts, no As soon as the, the, the company logos come up. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, no talking, but some whispering is permissible. If I've ever been to a cinema and heard a little squall break out, it's almost always because one person is too noisy and another person has decided to be more noisy to solve the situation. It's not okay to shout with your friends or com- commentate the movie as it plays. This is not si- Mystery Science Street, mystery science Theater 3000, so go start a podcast nobody listens to. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> uh, awkward. Uh, by the but by the same token, let's not merely flip out if we hear the family in row F murmur once or twice. Give your fellow patrons a few strikes. There's no need to be, bring a tense vibe to a dark, quiet room full of strangers. This is scalable rule with whispering much more okay in a sleepy, half-full Sunday morning screening than it would be in a packed fear festival premiere or on a Friday night blockbuster with barely a spare seat. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with all of that. Yeah, as long as... You know, keep your volume to where only the person next to you can hear. Yeah. When, I, when I say no talking in cinema, if you're with someone and you think of a, a quick one or two word quip that you want to quickly whisper to the person you're with, that's fine. And I say whisper, not fucking talk at a normal level so everyone can hear you. Um, but if you need to, if you find yourself needing to whisper something you think's funny every five minutes, then no. I'm talking about like 
a couple times max a, a movie, you know? Uh, yeah. Your armrest, your ro- the armrest is on your right. In an ideal world, this would be a universally accepted rule, petty as it is. Sorry, lefties, the majority of folks are right-handed. So if you, we all leave the cop holder and armrest to your left free, then nobody gets left cradling an icy cup of Diet Coke between their jeans. Uh, yes, as a lefty, I can still agree with that. You're a lefty. I don't know. There you go. I'm a lefty. I think I knew that. I just forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I, I think that's fair. Um, I know at the reading cinemas here in Brisbane or a lot of good states, they've got like the fold, like a tray thing that's on the right. So that makes it a bunch easier to claim the right armrest. But yeah. Uh, if you've got nobody next to you, like, how about it? But yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, when if there's no one next to me, I'm I'm a cup holder for one thing and the drink and then a fucking drink pack of lollies or something seat or whatever. And... And, yeah, the other seat's got my bag on it. Like, but th- that doesn't matter. But yeah, pack cinema. Yes, I agree. The one on the right is your is correct one. Yours, yes. yes. Don't come in and out of the cinema every five minutes. Some of us are cursed with bladders that hold about a teaspoon of concession counter sprite. But if this is you, maybe buy a ticket seated at the end of the row rather than facing Tyler Durden's ass or crotch conundrum in the middle of the movie. Uh, even better, the P- Run P app can proactively tell nervous pisses the perfect time to knock out a movie without missing any of the good bits. Uh, I would say, I mean, if you if you need to go toilet every five minutes, that's maybe I see a doctor. I think but... you have other issues. <laughs> maybe um... movie going isn't for you. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you need, to, I I just think like if you need to go toilet, like if I if I have to duck out quickly, you you make sure that when you you pick your time and you power walk quietly, up up and out, no dawdling, no no and no whipping your fucking phone out halfway up that bloody alley and blinding the per- oh jeez, the shit that happens. Your two year old is not going to appreciate the new A twenty four thriller. Yes, moving on. <laughs> becoming a parent shouldn't mean you need to lock yourself in a padded sink, stinky room with a kiddo and then listen to episodes of Coco Mel until they're old enough to ask for things nicely. But much like with air travel, you should have some idea of how your kid will react when confronted with a big strange room, chair rattling surround sound, and a group of disgruntled randoms who paid good money to have a transporting artistic experience. Uh, yeah, just don't take your kids to the cinemas unless it's a baby, like a baby in bubs or like there's baby screenings you can go to there's baby screenings, you know yes. or you know find someone to take care of your kid you know mm-hmm. i understand and people will be like you know i don't have anyone i'm like okay i understand what i mean but sounds like you sounds like a sacrifice. problem you know you got nobody in your life and yet you want to spend 20 bucks go to watch barbie day one yeah but come on there's absolutely no in no world am i gonna say that yeah like Cause just because you want to watch Barbie with your fi- six-month-old baby that you have to go ruin it for everyone else that's paid just because you need to watch Barbie on opening night, you know? Yeah. Wait a few days for the bar- the baby screening and you go to that. I Sorry. Yep. Although I did lo- love reading that uh, someone tweeted uh, that someone took their, their baby toddler to see Oppenheimer with them. And you didn't know which was worse, that the baby they took the baby or the baby was enthralled for the entire three hours didn't make a noise scary baby knows good Uh, cinema you know 
<laughs> it does. It's, it's the future of cinema there. Yeah. Don't That's walk like- out of the cinema and exclaim, I can't believe it was all a dream, or that the planet was Earth, or mm-hmm. that he was dead the whole time. Mm-hmm. The culture surrounding spoilers can be a bit precious sometimes if you're naively scrolling on social media the week after a huge episode of Last of Us. You can't really complain too much about seeing punters eager to discuss it. The stakes are much more fragile in the nasty real world. Consider that as you leave the cinema, you may be walking right past uh, people who would have bought a ticket to the movie that you just blew their mind. Uh, you and your friends can make it out of the lobby before ranting about whether or not they just happened to watch uh, what just happened to John Wick. Yes, I've cut my I've cut people off. I've gone to the cinema before, like years and years ago, going um watching Marvel movies. I've people have started. I've been with them. People have started talking, coming out of the cinema, and being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe!" And I've had to. I've literally gone, "Shh, don't!" Like I've I've stopped them from talking until we've left the yeah until we've got outside the cinema. Yeah. The you know did you watch that episode of The Simpsons where you know Homer spoils? Yes. Return <laughs> uh, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, uh, I've crazy. been I've been going to the cinema to go to something else. I think it was like the last time I had this happen majorly was um, the Last Jedi. So I'd seen the Last Jedi, and it was like a week later, and I was going to watch something else or whatever. And I've been there going in, and I've seen people walk out of the cinema and be like, "The fucker bullshit! I can't believe they killed Luke Skywalker!" Like, so I've <laughs> you know, like I was like, and I remember thinking, "Are you fucking for real?" Like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. I. Th- also thinking, I think it was, I think it was Alistair from uh, over at uh, Novastream. He was talking about being at uh, the Melbourne International Film Festival at the moment, and someone in front of them him was talking about in depth spoiler fields about one of the other films screening at the Melbourne International Film Festival that he was going to say go see. So if you're at a film festival, yeah. don't talk about the films in a cinema. I'd be told to shut up. You know, up. filled with people who are going to see the other movies. Ridiculous. Craziness. Uh, all right. You don't have to laugh at everything. So this one has come close to thought policing, but it boils down to merely reading the room. I've had a few experiences of seeing a film with some heavy, upsetting scenes or assault or intolerance or just human vulnerability that elicit laughs from select audience members. Human... Humor is deeply subjective. We, we have no way of knowing why certain moments tickle us, but whether it's out of discomfort or sheer rudeness, you don't need to break everyone out of their narrative evolution by guffawing loudly at something that doesn't work for you. If you want to see, if if we want to see that you're way more cool and edgy and callous than the rest of us, we can seek you out on Letterbox. Until then, can it? Uh, yes. So as I just said, I really wanted to break out laughing at this terrible drug addy drug. Uh, addicted heroin performance in uh, Streets of Color, and um, I kept that shit inside because that would have been very fucking rude. Now, if that person, the director of the f- film, listened to this podcast and heard me <laughs> say that, that's different because I'm at this stage. Or if I write a review, that's again different. If th- that's m- my my thoughts and my feelings on because that doesn't uh, affect anybody. Yeah, l- if I broke out laughing in the middle of the film about that particular uh, performance, I think that that would have made me very rude. Yes. Okay. Uh, the cinema isn't a concert. The actors won't hear you cheering for them. In an interview with Empire Magazine, Martin Scorsese once compared Marvel movies to theme parks. While fans of superhero movies and your typical summer blockbuster would argue, would contest these arguments, it's hard to beat the theme park allegations with the increasingly normal behavior of acting rowdy in the cinema. Just remember that there are other people trying to escape into the cinematic world too. You can show your excitement, but without the confines 
But within the confines of your seating space, you don't need to stand up and cheer, throw popcorn or scream over the surround sound audio. And just because, say, Timothy Chalamet shows up for 30 seconds as a character called Captain Overbite, Optus Prime busts out a laser sword and shoves it down the T-Rex to transform his mouth. But Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> <laughs> that's a Marvel yeah. movie thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a Marvel movie thing. Yeah, you know that. You're okay with it or no? Um, I'll say mostly no. I did not... When people were yelling at the screen in Endgame, when everyone started coming out of their the circles i was I, I feel like I'll, I'll make exceptions for 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 special events special event films i um i'm willing to make an exception otherwise i'd say no yes. yeah i think you know if you're going somewhere day one it's like day one end game or uh midnight screening of the star wars films you're going to have a different audience than you would for most films Yes. Yes. So, or if you're specifically going to a screening of, say, The Room, where you know audience participation is going to be a thing. Yeah, I think it's don't different. Don't be surprised. Yeah, I think it's different if you're going to a, a film that's... If like, you're going to a, a karaoke like yeah. session of a movie yeah, school yeah. or something that's, like that. That's yeah. different as well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're only allowed one accidental kick of the chair in front of you. You're either true to switching leg positions or simply testing the limits of your leg space. We've all accidentally kicked the chair in the, of the person in front of us. Try as hard as you like, it's just something you can't avoid. And yes, you'll go through the whole awkward motions of the person in front of you, having to turn their head to the side as a knowledge of, yes, we did in fact feel that. But that's the limit before it becomes bad cinema behavior. Just once. If the person behind you has kicked your seat multiple times and shows no sign of stopping, you're more than entitled to challenge them to a John Wick-style duel at sunrise in Paris. Uh, I'll take one care, one chair kick every ninety minutes. Okay. <laughs> if it's a three-hour movie, That's if you accidentally kick the chair in front of you twice, I'll, I'll uh, if someone kicked me twice in a three-hour movie by accident, I'll accept it. That's fair. Very fair. Don't take your shoes and slippers off in the cinema. An alarming sight I'm starting to see more and more of the cinema is that of people who take off their footwear in the middle of the movie to expose bare feet. Without fail, they also love to pop up said bare feet, so it's even more strikingly apparent to the people in our row. Don't be that person. The cinema is not your living room where you can just put your feet up everywhere. It's not like not too much to ask to enforce boundaries and hygiene. I'm going to put an asterisk on this one. Ooh, which may be a hot take. If I wear, so I've worn thongs to the cinema, right? Mm. And if I'm sitting on the chair, sometimes I just like my. Let's say I'm in a, like my my feet. If I sit normally, my feet like without slouching down, my feet are going to dangle like few inches off the but not touching the floor you know what i'm saying like the, like if i sit normally my my feet aren't flat on the floor do you get does that make sense do you get i don't know how that's physically possible well like a, a <laughs> how high is these seats well like if i'm sitting leaning all the way back so, i don't know like in some cinemas i've found where they say anyway my story was gonna oh, be like a reclining yeah, yeah so let's say chair. my feet sometimes i've gone and i've had a pair of thongs on and i've just let them they've fallen off my feet and I've just left my feet dangling there. Because I'm like, I'm not putting them up Maybe. on the chair in front of me. I'm not like. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go and ask I feel like person. it's going to be okay because it's an Australian thing, maybe, the thongs. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think thongs are an American thing. So. Maybe, yeah. So 
I mean, I don't know if it's a hot take to wear thong. I don't know, like either, in a crowded <laughs> room. I feel like that would be weird. Yeah, I feel like that would be in a crowded room. I feel like, I, yeah. like if it happens in the course of the movie, you didn't purposely do it. No, I didn't. Perp- yeah, like yeah, and there's no one, there's no one next to me. I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm just chilling. Yeah. Avoid rapper noise. Not everyone in snacks or popcorn while enjoying movies. Some people tend to bring in a pack of chips or wrappers of candy, and that's completely fine. The grievance comes when a person struggles to open the plastic packaging, causing all other members to listen on the various various crackles and crunches. No harm is intended, I'm sure, but a couple of ways to avoid this would be to pre-open your wrappers prior to the movie, or to muffle the sound by opening wrappers underneath a jacket or a piece of lay clothing. Small that goes a long way in preserving the sanctity of the space. Yes. So yes. you should, Just, if you're watching an action film and you know an action scene is going to happen and you know you need to open a, a can or a wrapper, you wait and you do it quickly and you get that bad boy open. Um, if you if you need to open that drink and you're busting, I know it's annoying sometimes you just want to gush that can open, but if characters are having a very serious conversation at the uh, at the time and you're like the very emotional scene, it is very distracting to hear, well, baby, I just gush. I love you so much, you know. Like, <laughs> so yes, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, either pre-open the stuff before the movie starts, or yeah, pick that particularly noisy yeah section where it's not going to affect anything. Final rule that I've seen multiple times: pick up your bloody popcorn. Fuck That's that. why they hire these people to clean up my mess. No, they're plenty busy. Prompt cinema staff will appreciate having a few less kernels to scoop if we're all bothered. Do a quick check of our seats and try and gather as much lost foot corn with those empty buckets as possible before leaving the theatre. If you have never chucked your own used cup and wrappers in the cinema bins, you don't have the right to whine about how sticky the floor is. Yes, so obviously... You know how much this is going on because I posted a picture on social media about these fucking kids who threw the popcorn all on the floor. But here's here's I'll go further in this. If you spill your drink, shit happens, right? I'm not going to say that it's, if you spill a drink, you're a bad person automatically. If you spill your drink in the middle of the movie, I don't care if you're like it's end game. You get up, you go tell someone that you just spilled your drink all over the floor, and they should give you something that you can quickly put down and they they can get into it afterwards. But at least do that much. If you drop a couple pieces of popcorn on the floor, that's fine. They they they're going to come around do a quick vacuum anyway, and that that level of leaving behind, I'm fine with. I don't expect mm-hmm. people to get on the ground and pick up the the couple kernels that fell off their their shirt onto the the ground. Yep. However, when you leave the movie theater, you don't leave your drink sitting in a cup holder. You take it, you put it in the bin. You don't leave the empty bag of lollies. You take that and you put it in the, the rubbish. You don't leave all your rubbish just sitting there. A couple things on the ground is totally fine, in my opinion, but otherwise, everything else, you you pick up and take. Absolutely agree. Yeah. You know, what are these heathens? Throw on the popcorn over the place. Some of the, some of the images I've seen of popcorn on the ground, I don't even know. Did you even get any? Did you even eat any? Yeah. <laughs> did you just put it? Did you spend sixteen dollars specifically to dump it on the floor? You know, what? Are you massive Lonely Island fans? You want to throw it on the ground? <laughs> is, that, is that what this is? Fucking hell! So yeah, follow those etiquette rules, please. You know, any anything we missed? Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like that was like the core. I feel like that is the core thing. Right? I can't think of anything. I mean, the only few other things, be prepared. Like, don't come in. Try and avoid coming in late. Mm. Uh, if you do you come know, in late, you better Make sure you check, past. you know, check uh, your seat, you know. 
if it's right a seated, seat, yep. if, if it's the right seat, you know, just avoid that awkward situation, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult to figure out <laughs> which seat is which, generally. Yeah. And yeah, I'll, I'll say on that. So if, you, if you're at a cinema that does allocated seating, I don't care if you, if, if there's only, you're like, oh, it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday, there probably won't be many people here. I'll pick the random seat. I'll just sit wherever. Not too bad. You go sit in the, the one or at least, uh, you go sit in the one, unless you want to come in late. So you know that's not because someone else like me may have purposely picked my favorite seat and you're you sitting in it. I'm going to ask you to fucking move because I want that fucking seat. I don't care if there's only 10 other people there. Yeah. Also, if there's a very small pit number of people in the cinema, don't go sit up right next to the person. Yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> that's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I think we covered most of it. I'm sure there's totally right also i guess don't get into fights <laughs> that would, weirdly that's the one that needs to be brought up yeah. uh I mean, yeah, i've, I've had some weird i've had yeah i mean it's all these little things of little stories but i feel like i've that that's the core stuff i mean i'd, I'd be like that that time i went and watched one of the planet eight movies and there was a, an older kid dropped off with his younger brother and he had to constantly whisper in his younger brother's ears so because he couldn't read the subtitles you know like shit like that, that i've had to deal with over my years i'm like <laughs> have children in age appropriate movies yeah yes don't be like that kid that uh went to see the batman with you you know yeah had to leave had to leave like five minutes in yeah after someone gets brutally murdered so yeah all right, let's move into giving some thumbs to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we've had to talk about in the show notes below. We'll start off with The Good Mother, directed by Miles Joris Perfit, uh, starring Hilary Swank, Olivia Cook, Jack Renner, and Hopper Penn. After the murder of her estranged son, journalist Marissa Bennings forms an unusual alliance with his pregnant girlfriend to track down those responsible for his death. Together, they confront a realm of narcotics and dishonesty within the city of Albany, unearthing a deeper, more sinister revelation. Dylan, what do you think of this trailer? Uh, yeah, I'll go double thumbs up. I'm trying to remember who the fuck. Uh, I'll go double thumbs up. I I think that the, the weirdest thing for this one is that the um the I don't know it just it I couldn't really figure out what I'm like. Is this just a mystery thing, or is it just a, a drug killer killed? I guess that's the point of the movie, right? Is that the, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the point of the movie. There's a bunch of stars. I felt like it was a well put together trailer, but I also feel like this is one of those trailers where I'm like, are you trying to trick me and it's just a well, to, well put together trailer and this is going to be a, a basic ass bitch like thriller. But I'll, I'll, go double, I'll go double thumbs up for this one. Cast is good. Yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up. I trust Olivia Cook to make a trust. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks solid. a solid thriller. Um, good cast like uh, Hilary Swank. Uh, I feel hasn't been doing much lately, so this is cool to see her again. Um, yeah, interesting. Like you know, drugs. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, drugs. Uh, all right. So this one is releasing in the US on the first September. No Australian release date. Next trailer is for King of Killers, directed by Kevin Gavu. Done it. Starring Frank Grillo, uh, Stephen Dorff, Maria Avgeropoulos, Adger- and Alan Moosey. Garen is a part of a group of international hitmen who are contracted to take out the most dangerous killer in the world, 
only to find out they're the ones being hunted. Dylan, what do you think of this trailer? I'm going to go one-on-one one down. I thought the trailer was pretty average. I feel like there could be some decent fight scenes in it, like a bunch of the cast are like action movie star people. I don't feel like that was shown well in the trailer, however. Um, I'm a bit of a sucker for... Um, fuck, I'm forgetting what his name is now. What's his name? The main dude? Alan Moosey? No, the bad guy. Frank Grillo? Frank Grillo. I'm a bit of a sucker for Frank... Like Frank Grillo just plays the same character in most things, but I enjoy him being Frank Grillo. So... Um, yeah, I'm going one up, one down. Yeah, I'll go one up, down, one down as well. It's like we kind of weirdly cuts, uh, clearly p- positioning Frank Grillo as like the the big character. It's like as if Crossbones was competent, mm. um, you know. So uh, interesting concept, uh, I guess, like a competition elements with a bunch of hitmen. It's like John Wick combined with, I don't know like hunger uh, games or something games, you know yeah. yeah so uh yeah interesting idea hopefully the action is good like it's from the guy one of the guys who created underworld so i don't know if that helps <laughs> raise interest but uh yeah this one is also releasing on september 1st and also has no australian release date next trailer is for the kill room directed by nicole payone starring uma thurman joe maniganello maya hawk Debbie Mazor, uh, Dre Hemingway, and Samuel L. Jackson. A hitman, his boss, an art dealer, and a money laundering scheme that accidentally turned the assassin into an overnight avant-garde sensation, one that forces her to play the art world against the underworld. So, Dylan, what did you think of this trailer? Uh, double thumbs up. I really like this. It reminds me of, um, uh, or at least the, the style of it reminds me of early like 2000 films like... Um, uh, fucking John Travolta, Big Shorty, or whatever the fuck that, and that seek and the sequel to that. Fuck, what is that goddamn film called? I've watched it a million times. Get Shorty, fuck, get, get Shorty, and then the mm. sequel, which was called like something else. Uh, what the fuck? Hold on, no, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kill me. Hold on, I swear. What is it? Get, hold on, Google, get Shorty sequel because the rocks in it. Be cool. All right, so get Shorty or Be Cool. Any of those films. Sort of similar vibe of that to this. Uh, it reminded me of. Um, and Ema Thurman is in the first one or something, I think. Uh, Ema Thurman and My Hawk in the same film, though. There you go. Shout outs. Uh, double thumbs up. Keen. Looks crazy. Sort of interesting plot point. And I'm like, that's actually a good idea. Hey, like, that's a good way to launder money. And then when they reveal that people start liking the art, I'm like, that's sort of uh, making fun of the art world. So, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll give it one up, one down. It just has like an odd tone that I didn't particularly vibe with. Um, I mean, it's interesting all the cast involved, like Emma Thurman and Samuel L. Jackson. You wouldn't expect them in this kind of a movie. Um, Maya Hawke in this as well, working with her mother for the first time, which I feel like maybe is a custody thing because she's also working with Ethan Hawke on something recently. So it's like one with each parent at one with the moment. Dad, one with mom, one with dad. Uh, Liv Morgan's in this. Uh, yeah, apparently Liv Morgan's in this movie. Um, very odd, um, but yeah, the very amusing. The idea of German Agamo character becoming a massive art person, like he, him being called the bag man, and you've got all these plastic bags that he's, it seems like he's murdered people with, and then is putting them up for art display. Like, 
using him giving away that selling the evidence of these murders or potentially uh is an interesting idea so yeah uh definitely one i'll be interested to check out uh so this one's releasing in the u.s on the 28th of september no australian release date next trailer is for telemarketers created by adam bala luke and sam lipman stern Two office workers at a telemarketing call center in New Jersey discover the truth behind the work they've been doing. Under the impression they're raising money for firefighter and police charities, the money is actually going towards their employers. When the company is shut down, they seek to expose the telemarketing industry. Dylan, what do you think of this trailer for a documentary series? Uh, double thumbs up. Can't wait. I, I watched this the other day when it came out. I think literally right after we recorded, or maybe it was the next day, Wednesday, and I was nearly going to, I was going to wait and see, and if you didn't include it on the list, I was going to be like, no. Nah. Once I'm overriding, we need to remove something for this, because I <laughs> uh, watched the trailer, and I was like, this just looks absolutely insane. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait. And the, the, the fact it's also like, from the Safdie brothers producing, I'm like, sure, why not? Danny McBride? okay whatever <laughs> it's like such a weird like sort of producing stuff but um yeah double thumbs up can't wait yeah double thumbs up for me as well like uh clearly something that i've been working on for a long time like mm. you can see between the quality of some of the footage just uh interested to see the deep dive into this world of scam artists and that kind of stuff as they point out like it's 20 billion dollar industry that we kind of can't do anything about <laughs> like how's the government supposed to shut these kind of things down and they're kind of preying on the world like the weakest and most vulnerable people is kind of fucked up and uh yeah the list of executive producers on this film is crazy safety brothers uh manny mcbride uh jody hill uh david gordon green like a whole bunch of people are involved so uh definitely keen to check this series out uh so it starts releasing on a binge from the 14th of august Cool. One of the trailers we watched actually has a release Ooh, date. It does. Uh, last trailer for this week. Dicks, the musical. Directed by Larry Charles. Uh, starring Megan Mullally, uh, Megan the Stallion, uh, Bowen Yang, Nathan Lane, Aaron Jackson, and Josh Sharp. Two business adversaries who realize they're identical twin brothers decide to switch places to reunite their divorced parents so they can all become an actual family again. Dylan, what are your thoughts on Dicks, the musical? Um, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm. Conf- I don't. I'm gonna double thumbs down on the trailer. I'm gonna double thumbs down. Trailer. I don't. I don't hate the idea of the film, and I don't like. I feel like it could be good. I just don't feel like the trailer was good. So I'm, I'm gonna commit to my. Yeah, I'm gonna commit to double double thumbs down. I just feel like it was a weirdly put together trailer, weirdly edited trailer. Um, I feel like it was going for sh- shock factor selling the movie i guess i don't know like i i don't know yeah I'll, I'll, I'll double thumbs down i'm gonna go one up one down but definitely leaning more towards two down i feel like yeah just the i feel like it's the music editing it's like it'll just transition quickly into like a different completely different song mm-hmm. which doesn't really work in a trailer you need to have like a consistent theme or like you can have like one specific one song music you change. just edit stuff from different songs but that one song's playing in the background of the trailer because it just makes the trailer better it doesn't matter if it's they're singing a different song just in kind that part. of like just fits yeah but yeah. they clear like they'll clearly try to do like you said like, some shock at, value yeah um making you know you 
crazy things that people singing they want to showcase that Megan the Stallion is actually very much involved and has will be performing. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird one, <laughs> uh, def- like a weird male version of the Parent Trap or whatever. Uh, so apparently, it's based on an off-Broadway musical called "Fucking Identical Twins" sure. by the two actors. Um, so that's why they specifically say two fucking we're two fi- fucking identical twins, even though they're clearly not identical twins. No, uh, not related at all. Um, but yeah, very odd. <laughs> yeah, it could it could uh, be good, but that's the same. The, the trailer just I didn't like that. Yeah, although the Sewer Boys, am I right? <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. Very weird. All right, so this is releasing in American cinemas on the 29th of September. No Australian release date. I think that's the worst worst batch of trailers. Like I think so. Date other, other than Telemarketer, everything we just talked about has a no Australian release date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's jump into this week's top three definitely in the top three and here in australia we are finally getting asteroid city a year later <laughs> three months but it feels like a year is it playing in cinema new year this week fuck no we talk about it you know it's a pretty big i guess you know it's uh, talk to me <laughs> i would have yeah. thought Australian yeah. film brought up by Matt. Anyway, don't get me started. Uh, all right. So this week we're doing top three Wes Anderson films. Uh, so Dylan, what's your number three? Um, I decided to do a top five because doing top three is too hard. No. Um, fuck, I've got five in front of me. I've got to make it up as a go. It's just <laughs> this is a hard one. Like, this is actually a really hard one. Uh, I'm going to go with this. Fuck. I'm going to go actually with Bottle Rocket as my number three. So wow. this was one of the hardest movies to track down years and years and years ago when I finally got to watch it. But it is like the, it is the, the, I guess the, the most you can see how, I mean, you watch Bowl Rocket, then you watch Rushmore. Like you can see the style eventually end up where Wes Anderson films end up. But the comedy of this is just so like, you can see where it starts. And the fact that this is the film where you get to see, um, Owen Wilson fuck up his nose is also just a is a is a well selling point. You can watch this and he has a normal you can nose. Watch this and so, see his yeah. You can watch this and it has a normal nose. So. Um, but yeah, it's just like I, I just think the three of them. So you've got both the 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 Wilson star, um, and it's this plot about um, fuck. I mean, it gets convoluted, but it's basically they they I mean, long story short, they just want to rob someone. And like, just do like they, these two sort of idiotic brothers, and like Owen Wilson's character is like the, the the leader basically. Um, and then he brings his brother along, played by Luke Wilson, and then they have a third person, but I can't remember he played the third person off the top of my head to be honest. Um, but they um they're trying to do this plot, and then just of course everything goes wrong, and um it's it's very funny, it's very like indie film obviously because they 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 wrote it. It was written by Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson, and then directed by Wes Anderson. Um. But it's just the, it's the style, and it's just like the simplicity of it, I guess. Maybe that also I like so much. Like it's it's the it's Wes Anderson, but before a lot of the having the ability to do a lot of the weird and wacky stuff he does now. But you still see his weird and wacky sort of 
style that he wants, but he has to do it just shooting a normal movie. So it's mostly the editing, I guess, more so than the. And you, you get to, you get to see that again when you go watch um, Rushmore after this, because that's all in the, the editing and framing as well. But yeah, um, I actually like Bottle Rocket a little bit more than Rushmore. All right. Uh, my number three is Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, of course, the film in which uh, it's about two young ch- kids in love who run away together and everybody's kind of like, what, trying to find them again. Um, definitely highly stylized. Um, I feel like I saw, might have been one of the early ones that I saw of his like work. Um, yeah, just really good performances. Obviously, uh, Adrian Brody and... Uh, uh, Bruce Willis, no, not Adrian Brody, Edward Norton. <laughs> um, really good, and obviously Tilda Swinton and the two kids, fantastic cutly cast. Um, really cool. Uh, yeah, really enjoyable. So Moonrise Kingdom, Moonrise, Moonrise Kingdom, number three. Tilda what's your number two? Uh, my number two is Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> so, <laughs> so everything you just said. I mean, the the relationship between the two kids, I guess, makes this movie what it is and like that's where sort of if it would fall apart if they weren't as charming and as endearing as they are but i also think this is one of my favorite things that bruce willis has ever done so <laughs> like he's actually likable in this movie which is such a crazy thing um and yeah i love bill murray and this and everything else but this is also just the again this is this is getting into more of his current style of stuff but um like just the framing and the, the editing and all that sort of sort of stuff but and just such weird characters and everything and it's just it's a very funny film so yeah no my number two fantastic mr fox my number one fantastic mr fox <laughs> oh um yeah just a fantastic animated stop-motion film um you know just such delightful characters such silly stories like just uh or like all the little animal creatures in the cubic cost human clothes just delightful to, just a delightful film to look at and then you know just the the dialogue delivered and the lines you know if you're th- if you're thinking about doing what i think you're thinking stop i think it's line i can't remember it's i went and found line. my favorite line here too so hold on, let me read out my right. favorite exchange from the movie i might sure i got it so i can get it right Mole, I just want to see a little sunshine. Mr. Fox, but you're a nocturnal, Phil. Your eyes barely open on a good day. Mole, I'm sick of your double talk. We have rights. <laughs> <laughs> I think George Clooney's delivery and everything as well. Just the, it's so good, all the characters. It's just such funny little back and forth. I think the, the reason I like the movie so much is because there's so many just like back and forth quick lines like that. And then it just goes to the next thing that you sort of miss a lot of it. And I've watched the movie a few times and it's still funny. Um, every time you watch it and of course the the stop motion animation is just top notch um it's it's fantastic but i definitely feel like the voice acting combined with the script and the the way it, it's just everything come together perfectly i think of this movie yeah absolutely just yeah incredible like just uh you cussing with me <laughs> you cussing me <laughs> so funny uh, and it's like it's a so kids funny. movie but it works perfectly as adults will get a lot of the jokes that yep. kids won't and then kids will just enjoy it for funny talking animals like it's yeah it works Crazy. my number one the grand Budapest hotel 
Um, yeah, just a stellar cast, really fun story um, about priceless paintings, just jumping all over the place. Just, yeah, it is an incredible light, the most Wes Anderson thing so far that I've seen. So, um, yeah, I love Grand Budapest Hotel, but yeah. I, I agree. This was a tough, tough one because, you know, he's got a lot of really good films and yeah. some of them I haven't seen in a while. Like, I haven't watched um, Royal Tenenbaums in a decade. I did a rewatch so. of all his films um, prior to, I guess it would have been Grand Budapest. Yeah, it probably was just before Grand Budapest. I think I did a rewatch at that point. Well, not a rewatch. I did rewatch it once I'd seen it, and that's a, that was when I watched, I had to track down um, Bottle Rocket and Rushmore for the first time. Yeah. All right. Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? I mean, I want to watch Asteroid City. I mean, maybe they'll add screenings. I don't know. But that would be my, my movie pick. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind. Uh, as a, I don't know. Yeah, so that's my movie pick. If I could, do I care about anything else? I don't know. Not really. No, to be honest. Yeah, Asteroid City is my pick. I guess if I... There's that Painkillers series is launching on Netflix this week. Yeah. Uh, Strange Planet is coming to Apple TV+. Plus. I've got the Dracula movie. That... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's let's find out if that's as terrible as you thought it was. Yeah, well, I mean, that fucking trailer, man, it looks so bad, but I've seen other people write, they're like, no, it's actually, like, it's decent. I'm like, okay, well, maybe, but the fucking trailer was trash. Like, how upset are you going to be if that's showing in a cinema and not Astro City? I'll be really Don't annoyed. Talk to me. I'll go watch it if that's what <laughs> I have. Like, if that's my choice, I'll watch it, but... Uh, oh, yeah, and also, a day of recording, Only Murders in the Building Season 3 is starting, so I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Is it just one episode a week, or...? Yeah. Yeah. They're not, like, a week behind the US or anything? No. It's pretty close. Fast-tracked. Okay. All right, let's know what you're excited to watch this week by going to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter and letting us know on X, or go to explosion.com slash Discord, uh, or just find us at ExplosionPod on most social media. Um, if you want to help us out here at What Do You Want to Watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars anywhere you can leave five stars, or just tell people about the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode... Thought is worth a dollar. Head on over to our cover page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.